101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Jesus told us about things that would be happening in the latter days in Matthew 24 and described them as the beginning of sorrows. Yet he said the end is not yet. Yet it seems like these things are happening so quickly. So how do we strike the balance as we reconcile the word of God and the world's news? That's what we'll attempt to answer as we look at the Signs of the Times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, January 14th, 2022. On the air online or on demand anytime is podcast 198 that you'll get later on today. And we thank you for listening or watching through all of our outlets. Uh, you can learn more about us when you visit thewaymedia.net. Uh, then click on Signs of the Times, or you can just go to the signs.org. It'll redirect you. If you're an old-school listener and you're used to that website address, we just redirect you. So either way, you can get the content. And by the way, the only place that you can read the articles that we discuss, that we post uh, with each episode, is at thewaymedia.net under our Science of the Times section. And uh, now, uh, to help us understand what's going on in the world today is Pastor Mark Kirk. I have no introduction for you today. That's all right. Because I didn't know what our introduction for today was going to be. Today was an inter- interesting it, it day. It was an interesting day. Yes, it is. And, um, you know, so, but that's okay. I mean, it's, it's good because today's going to be a good discussion day and kind yes. of talking about some topics and issues. And um, I'm excited about what God has for today. It's going to be a good show. Absolutely. That's the one thing about having the Holy Spirit being the actual producer of the program. That's right. And that's right. In spite of the rest of us that think we're in control, we're not. He is. So. You've got. Pastor Mark, our uh, question this week comes from Crystal, who uh, watches us or listens to us in Seymour, Tennessee. That's south of where we're at right now. Right. Uh, She says, this isn't a deep theological question or even one that can be answered directly with Scripture, but I've read some theological essays on the topic of whether animals go to heaven and would love to hear Pastor Mark's opinion. I believe I've heard him address this before, and I wanted to pass his words along to a friend whose beloved family dog recently died. Yes. You know, and I could have sworn too, and we've talked about this before this week when this question came in, that you have answered this question before, but I can't find any trace of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Caleb, uh, who's producing our video today, thinks that it was done a long time ago. I yeah. felt like it was just not that long ago, like maybe within the last month or two. Uh, either way, we thought, you want to know what? Uh, people love their pets, yeah. and pets die, and this question comes up a lot, so it doesn't hurt to hit the reset button on this topic and uh, and answer it. Yeah. No, it's a great question, and uh, do animals go to heaven? You know, it's interesting, Greg, as you look at this subject, and I want to encourage you, know, we're not going to go super in-depth on it, but for those of you, and especially the, the you know asking the question, if you want to do more research um, I know that Answers in Genesis has a very exhaustive, um, not very exhaustive, but a pretty long explanation with a lot of scripture and stuff about, so you just, if you just go Answers in Gen- Genesis to Answers uh, to Animals Go to Heaven, uh, you're going to find a lot of good scripture or stuff, so you can kind of banter it around and come to your own conclusion. I do find it interesting, Greg, and you might find this interesting. Uh, those who believe that animals did go to heaven include people like Martin Luther, uh, the ancient, you know, uh, the, the original Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, uh, C.S. Lewis and Billy Graham all believe that animals do go to heaven when they die. So there are some big name, famous people in the world of Christianity who believe that. 
Um, however, when I look at their belief system from what they're saying and looking at it, a lot of it, I think, has to do with what it talks about in the millennial kingdom. Because the millennial, uh, millennial kingdom talks about animals. You know, the, the lamb and the wolf will be together, all these different animals together. So there definitely will be animals alive and thriving during the thousand-year reign. And there may be some crossover there, um, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah. But I, I can't get away from the scripture that talks about, you know, uh, in Ecclesiastes, it says that when man dies, man's soul goes to heaven and, and the animal's soul returns to the earth from where it came. Um, it would indicate that animals don't have a soul that goes up to heaven, but returns to the earth from whence it came. Now, can I say for sure that I, you know, that that's what it is? My, my, um, my thought is, as hard as this may be to think of now, uh, is that, you know, there's no strong indication that animals go to heaven. But I will say there are those, because there's the indication there that it goes back down to the earth and back down to dust, as spoken about. But then, as I said, there are also some very famous, um, you know, Christians who believe they did go to heaven, and they've got their reasons for that and their reasoning. And again, uh, even to go into more detail of that, that's a great article. You can go to Answers in Genesis, and they kind of cover it. A longer article to read with all the scriptures you can look up, you know. And, uh, yeah. and kind of come to your own conclusion there. So I would say, you know, my my gut feeling is is that the scriptures would indicate that they don't. But at the same time, I know that I could be wrong and there may be something I'm missing in scripture that find out that they do. However, I will say this, if I can give some encouragement to my sister in the Lord there, because I love animals as well. And I think about my little sweetie right now, you know, uh, coming up on little, our little Doxy, you know, is coming up on 12 years old and she's slowing down and you wonder when she's going to go and you think about missing her and all that. Um, I will say this. Again, there are things we don't know, and I know this, the Bible says in heaven there will be no sorrow. So uh, whatever the outcome of this ultimately is, uh, whether we can prove it solidly one way or the other scripturally, I have my leaning, and other people obviously have theirs. I do know in heaven we're not going to be sorrowful, and I know there will be animals in heaven. This I can answer. Now, whether it be our animals here, because the indication there about the the animal's soul returning back to the dust and, and the contrast of man's soul going to heaven— um, I know there will be animals there because we see there are at least going to be horses during, you know, when, when, when we're in heaven, we come riding, we come back riding on horses. So right. some type of spiritual animal is going to be there. And so that may not really answer the question fully and thoroughly, but that's about the best I know how to parse that question. Uh, let me ask you another question, and maybe this will help. Yes. Um, Pastor Mark, what is the difference between uh, the human soul or the or or the soul that is an all living created things yeah yeah uh with the exception i think of plant life right which doesn't have a soul right so i'm when i think of that i think of maybe the animal kingdom yes. not too sure about sea life when it comes to that but yes nevertheless we can throw that in there for the sake of argument but what's the difference between that and our our spirit that god gives us as human beings and is that the differentiator that helps to make us different than the rest of his created universe? Yeah, yeah and that's a great question, Greg, and a great thing to discuss. Absolutely. The Bible says we're made in God's image. It doesn't say that animals are. And that's kind of another, uh, that doesn't necessarily you know nail the coffin shut, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but it's another indicator that we may not be seeing, for example, our animals um, in heaven, so to speak, but body, soul, and spirit. We're made. He's a triune being. We're a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. Now, so what does that mean? The body's pretty evident. That's our physical body. The soul is described as our as what makes us who we are in the sense of our mind, our thought process. You know, our, our very, you know, even an unbeliever has a, has a soul because they live forever, just not in heaven. Yeah. Uh, so body, soul, spirit is when your spirit now is from God, which is the eternal thing that gives you eternal life. So you have the soul and body for the unbeliever, soul and body for the believer. Those two right there, we both have. The spirit coming to life is what separates us to being eternal in heaven. It is a life spirit, not just a soul that dies for eternal condemnation. When Adam was created, the Bible says the, Bible says the Lord breathed into Adam and gave him life. When he breathed into him, Greg, that's what we call the spirit. That is um, what made him alive eternally, if you will, in the sense of going to heaven. The spirit of God was put within him. When he sinned, he lost that. Now he was just body and soul, and his spirit had to be born again. And that's where we get the terminology of being born again. That's why when we're born, we're born with a soul, the ability, to, our thought process. We think who it makes. That's who we are. Our, our very being. That's our soul. And our body is what's holding our soul. We're inside of there. Whatever the spirit also comes to live inside, and that's what makes us eternal 
with God, and without that, we're eternal, but without God, because there's no spirit of God in us, and that's what being born again is. But we still have that spirit as a, as a created human, so it, it is an unbeliever living on forever, Yes, but just eternally separated. That's right. But still a spirit being in oh, that yeah. sense. Oh, yeah. No, there will be a spirit okay. being, but here's the thing, Greg, they're going to have some type of, it would appear, some type of body that goes on, a spirit body, but it's not like, it's not the spirit we have from God, yeah. which is a, a, a life, the, the life of the spirit, which gives us eternal sure. life. Uh, but they're going to actually be, um, because there's going to have to be some type of body there's in unless there's something we don't know about which there could be because their bodies are going to be torment tormented the bible says in eternal hell forever whereas our new bodies will be forever exalted with the spirit of god in heaven so there are some mysteries we don't know but there is definitely a distinction between soul and spirit because uh paul lines that out when he says that the word of god divides even soul and spirit and some people try to say well there's no difference soul and spirit is the same no no no, no. scripture makes it very it clear there yeah. is a difference yes okay well not to go too far down in a rabbit yeah. trail but just to make the point that human beings have a different composite different created makeup than the rest of god's yes created universe that we know on the world that's right on the earth that's right that's so what sets so. us apart from the animal yeah. kingdom yeah. yes okay so crystal we hope that answered your question and if you have a uh, question like crystal say that three times fast yeah uh just go to the waymedia.net click on signs of the times and you can see where you can ask your prophecy question and you can also see where we've posted some frequently asked questions to our program now pastor mark before we get into our articles uh wanted to give you an opportunity to give some honorable mention to some things that we know are going on in the world yes uh that we don't have articles for but we will next week and that has to do with wars and rumors of wars specifically north korea russia and the ukraine absolutely you know we want to keep uh, you guys up to date with what's going on remember one of the signs of the last days the lord said would be is um wars and rumors of wars and we've been seeing that now for a few months obviously russia and Ukraine. Now, it's interesting that Russia is on the border of Ukraine threatening them again. Uh, they see us as a weak nation right now with a weak president, or weakened, should I say. Um, and they're emboldened to take action for more property, um, you know, more land. They want to take the original Soviet Union back and make it Soviet Union again uh, by unifying all these uh, different countries that used to be with them. So they're still kind of doing that, as they say, saber-rattling with Ukraine, saying we may... St- they're still kind of amassing troops. They're kind of there. Nothing's settled on that. We're kind of watching it. And, Greg, I find it interesting uh, that Russia is being perturbed in this because, remember, Russia is going to be one of the main players for the invasion against Israel with Iran. So the fact that Russia is militarily perturbed is interesting because again that could lead right into a situation if israel does something against iran which i think could happen this year to try to stop their nuclear development of their weapons we could see that being something that would link russia up with iran and cause this uh ezekiel 38 and 39 war so keep your eye on that at the same time which we've talked about before you know china is still in the background rumbling saying you know at some point we're going to move against taiwan and in the meantime in the last Two weeks, you've had two brand new missile launches, which were on hold pretty much since President Trump, missile launches by North Korea. So North Korea has restarted their kind of missile testing, their launches. Something happened interesting the other day, Greg, on this, not this recent launch that happened here just like yesterday or the day before, but the one that happened a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what was going on, and they didn't tell us what was going on, but at the same time that North Korea launched those, um, they put a warning to the aviation uh, regular airline flights to stay away from certain areas or what it was. Only, it wasn't just like, Hey, you may flower and get hit by one. It's like there was something else going on that they thought North Korea might've been doing, which obviously they didn't do, but um, they're certainly being antagonistic. They're certainly uh, pushing their boundaries and guys like uh, Jim, uh, Kim Jong-un, you're not going to keep them down very long. I mean, they're very motivated. Um, I think by the enemy, they're motivated by their own desires for power and, um, you know, President Trump was able to keep him in check. President Biden is not able to keep him in check. So that's another thing to keep your eyes on. Watch for this continued world unrest. And by the way, when you have world calamities and world crises going on, like this pandemic and all these things, that's a great time to take action because everybody's looking a different direction. And if you can get people looking one direction and then do something over here, that's the last thing you want is to be sidetracked. So this is interesting. Just keep your eye on this whole developing 
wars and rumors of wars. I think that's what they call a red herring. Yes, yes. Uh, regarding Russia and Ukraine and Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, do you believe that uh, because Ukraine sits directly south? Yeah. And then I think after Ukraine is Romania. Yeah. Uh, and we know that they will be coming from the north. Right. And the mass of troops yeah. that we kind of get the indication from as we read Ezekiel, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll need just clear through fare. I mean, you know, yeah. no, no border negotiation stuff, nothing right. like that. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, number one, that could be something we see developing to clear the way for Russia, but I don't know that Russia knows that. I don't know right now. Greg. Yeah. I don't. Well, they're again, they're not aware of the, the prophecy. Right. Yeah, I don't think they're going, hey, we're going to be moving on Israel. We need to clear the path here. But you know what? That's a great uh, uh, insight because the enemy may very well, Satan may very well be working on that to try to clear that path. Now, even if that path is not cleared, that doesn't mean Russia can't march right on down. No, it doesn't mean, absolutely. They're saying, listen, the Ukrainians right now, Greg, they're saying, look, if Russia and America too, if they want to come in and take that, nobody can stop them. The only way they can be stopped is if NATO and America, and we came in with weaponry and said, we're stopping you. Otherwise, Ukraine, they can't stop Russia. I mean, Russia is a, a much greater power militarily than Ukraine. So they can just march right down and do what they want. Nobody can stop them. Right now, it's more politically and diplomatically that's keeping them from crossing that border. So could Satan go ahead and do that to get it out of the way? Yes. But even if he doesn't, could they march right on down and just blast away? Absolutely. Yeah. So either way, they're going to get down through there. Well, and also commandeering Ukraine, we don't know from logistics and resources perspective does the country of Ukraine hold things, uh, you know, in terms of natural resources or supplies yeah. or things like that, that would be integral to Russia's, uh, we know, prophetic move? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, so so having control over that country and that country's resources could be necessary in the prophetic fulfillment, even though Russia could be just looking at it as a way to continue to prop up their economy or to continue surviving, yeah. but not necessarily having you know Israel in their sights yet. Yeah, because we, we just don't know when the timing of that is. We don't, but we talked about the hooks in the jaw. Let me bring yeah. the oil uh, aspect back into this. And that's multiple too, this. right? That's not a hook; it's hooks. That's right. And let me bring the oil thing back in. You, I mean, the hooks. You talk about hooks. You talk about oil and natural gas. There's yeah, two hooks there's right two, there. Yeah. But there may there's probably more. But here's the thing, Greg, about oil. Look what's happening right now. This is this is a little bit broader discussion for a second. Oil is going up radically. It's already eighty five dollars a barrel as of yesterday. And I think the last time I checked, it was down to, and I haven't checked recently, so I don't know when this big jump took place, but it was something like $35 a barrel the last time. Not that I would go around looking at oil all the time, but you hear them say the oil prices today or whatever. It's at 85 and they're now saying it could get as high as 120 before it stops because of all that's going on in the world. The supply chain, uh, the, the people are having trouble getting things, so oil's getting more valuable, getting more expensive, uh, gas prices going up, etc. Now, that's huge for Russia because that's their major source of income. Over 60% of their economy is based on oil, crude oil. Now, they do other things, but crude oil, 65%, I think, somewhere around there. It's over 60 anyway. Well, what makes that even more interesting? When we talk about hooks in the jaw, something to get Russia, Greg, to move down. The World Economic Forum, which our listeners are probably familiar with, which the nations of the world are connected to and is, is really a major world force right now. It truly is. Their stated goal, and the world's, even America, is now working with them. John Kerry is is uh, very active with our government, with the World Economic Forum. President Biden is as well, and the other nations. Their stated goal with our nation's agreement is no oil used in the world by 2030. No oil. That means no gasoline. That means no conventional cars. Uh, the biggest heartbreak for me, motorcycles, uh, whatever, uh, other than you know, electric, so to speak, or whatever. Now, this changes everything for Russia if this really happens. And I don't know how much they're thinking about that. But, Greg, you tell a country that has over 60% of their economy, our goal is eight years from now, whatever's functioning for your economy 60% over is no longer needed or in existence in world use. What do you think that does to a country going, we have to survive, and we will survive, that means we have to come up with something else if they're really able to do that worldwide. And that means we've got to go take it because we don't have it. Now, guess who has natural gas? Another hook in the jaw. Israel. 
one of the largest deposits of natural gas in the world, right? Leviathan, we've talked about it before. They're in the Mediterranean. So there are things that could pull Russia down and realize we've got to move, we've got to act. Number one, if oil stays high, they can go get the money and make a lot of money off oil because that's how they make their money. That's how they function. If oil is done away with, they can use the natural gas because now they need to survive as a nation and they need some new national fundraiser basically to survive as a nation so this is getting interesting um at, you know geopolitically this is getting interesting in a lot of ways not just okay the bible says so but now you can begin to see these things formulate you know we talk about what's going to happen in the bible greg but it gets kind of exciting when you see how things begin to formulate as to what's going to happen uh even talking about the mark of the beast which we'll touch on in some, at some moment here some soon hopefully depends on maybe before even the first half is up yeah go um, ahead yeah well it may be a good segue right into yeah. this because uh, again, you know, this whole, w- w- the point was we c- we know it's going to happen. We don't always know the agency to get there. So we know Russia is going to invade. We don't always know the agency. Could it be getting the oil because the prices have really gone up and your nation's in desperate, or could it be the world shutting down oil? And so you're going for natural gas. We don't know, but it's interesting. The antichrist is going to be introducing on the way to something, the mark of the beast, something we all take a mark on our hand or our forehead, et cetera. Which is amazing, Greg. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, we talked about Austria now having people, some of them up to over 6,000 now, have literally taken a mark in their hand that they're going to use for their COVID scan, for their COVID test or whatever. That's not yet the mark of the beast, but it's the technology. It's conditioning and it's, and it's even in the right yeah. hand. I mean, the whole thing is really weird. Yeah. But with that said, um, you would think that the world would go, look, okay, there's wise technology here in, a, in using a chip. Let's do this. But the last thing we should do, don't put it in the hand or the forehead or all these crazy Christians are going to say, see, the Bible's coming to pass. It's almost like nobody's paying attention or knows about the Bible at all. They're doing all these things, Greg. The Bible said what happened. And there's no there's no um, I mean, if I was evil and unsaved, I think I would plan to do it away from the hand and the forehead. Well, you know, what's interesting, (laughs) Pastor Mark, you've shared and I don't remember where it is in the Bible, but you've shared that the Bible tells us that God delights in revealing things to those that are diligently seeking That's the right. truth. That's right. And I can't help but think of in a Pharaoh situation, you know, where Pharaoh's heart was hardened, even though, even though during Pharaoh's time, you know, Pharaoh recognized the hand of God. Yes, he did. But yet he resisted. Yep. And then I think about the disciples. The disciples, you know, thought that Jesus came to rule the world and conquer this one world government. Right. He came to fulfill prophecy that was prophesied about him. But yet they and many others were blinded to that truth. Right. About that prophetic fulfillment until after the prophecy was fulfilled. Yeah. So I can't help but think when I think about that in the spiritual realm and those types of spiritual things that that God has, you know, even though that even though the mark of the beast and there are certain elements of Bible prophecy that the world knows about because they're so notarized, like the mark of the beast, six, 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 I know, you would think, you you would think, but yet they march on. With and with the world's knowledge of even the rudimentary things of yeah, that yeah. prophecy, and they do it anyway. So I can't help but think that maybe God has blinded them yeah. because of their unbelief in Jesus. Yes, I, I don't know. I'm just taking a guess. Well, no, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. I was just looking there in Revelation where he talks about again. I'll I'll give you hidden manna. He says, if you're faithful to me, yeah. I'll give you hidden manna. I'll show you things the world can't see. He told Jeremiah, he said, call to me and I'll show you things you've never seen. Yes. You know, and I just I guess Greg, it's so obvious to me. I'm just stunned. That the world can't see it. Well, this is one of those things I think the world will be aware of. When we talk about Revelation 13, where it talks about, you know, the the beast and what he's going to be doing, uh, just a few verses. This is what it says. This this Antichrist, he's going to be given power, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet, power to give breath to the image of the beast. There'll be this image there on the Temple Mount uh, that he should both speak and cause as many as not, would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So the Antichrist will be doing, I mean, the false That's prophet will be doing that for the Antichrist. Will will cause yes. We're, I'm going to get to that, but again, I think of things like we, we talk about the, the whole technology that's going right now with images speaking and all that. Whether you're AI and all these different things and metaverse and um, just all this going on, but he says he will cause 
as many as will not worship uh, uh, to the beast, he causes all, both small and great, rich, poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their hand or their foreheads, so that no one may buy or sell except those who have the mark or the number of his name. And, of course, we're all, we're all aware of that because we know that scripture you know, all too well. But it's interesting here to me, Greg, in the language of he says he will cause, because it's the same word here. What it means, it means cause, but it's, it's the word that's used of God's creation. Of God creating, God making happen, God doing it. Why do I find that interesting? Because the false prophet, the Antichrist, will be doing what God does, trying to do what God does in giving the mark of the beast. It gives a picture here of him. We know the Bible says that he wants to be like God. He's going to try to be God. And now he's going to take the position of God, saying that he is God. Remember there with the image on the temple mat, he'll say that he is God. The image will speak. All that don't worship the image and him as God will be put to death. And he'll cause everyone to take this mark. That is, by his creative power, is the, is the wording there, although he's not a creator, he's going to create a situation where he creates, he makes everyone take this mark on their hand or their yeah. forehead like you know, we've been marked by God. The Bible well, says I was we just have God's say, name. I was going to say, so much has been made of the the mark of the beast. Yes. But let's make something about God's mark on the believer. That's right. It, the Bible says that we have on our forehead the name of Yahweh. God's name is written on our, on our forehead. That's so exciting to me. I mean, he has literally written his name on us. We belong to him, which means the spiritual realm, they can see they God's can see name. It. Yahweh is on your forehead. But the physical, we, they, they can't Right, see. exactly. But yeah. it's there. Well, Satan sees it. And, and the unbeliever doesn't have that name. So here's what he says. Okay, those are yours. Yeah. These are mine. Yeah. And I'm going to make them take my name. Yeah. 666. Remember the yes. number of his name? I'm going to put my name on them, my name in them, even as God puts his spirit in us, even as God created. I'm going to create my people, my followers, but he can't really yeah. create life. But you get yeah. my point. And so there's this whole, the causing to take the mark, Greg, is the wording of God's creative power for his, his kids, what he's done his kids. This is Satan's mockery imitation creative power over his kids causing them poima uh, you know that god's creation right. his whatever right to take the mark of the beast i mean the whole thing to me is fascinating well and and i think we should emphasize at this point that's why the bible is so emphatic that for those that take the mark of the beast you can only have one mark right you can only you can you can choose to take the mark that god gives through jesus christ when you accept him as your lord and savior or you can take the mark of the beast you can't have both and yeah. when you take one you've automatically the bible says rejected the other yeah listen what this means when it says he causes both okay. smaller i'm going to read the extra yeah. definition because this even gets more detail than i gave i'm reminded okay. of, look what it yeah. says it's the word poia not poema but poia okay. it's poia. the same root but it says this, it is God's action as creator in dealings with mankind. Hmm. Now, this is Satan's taking on the position of God yes. in his dealings with who? Mankind. You will take the mark on your hand or your forehead. It is my dealings as your new God with mankind, whereas God is the one that gave us his name, his mark, as the true creator. Is he not mocking everything down to a T? Wow. That's why somebody what asked me. Detail. The, somebody asked me the other day, and, I, and this is a theory the Bible didn't say. I believe the Antichrist is in his 20s right now. I believe he'll take power at 30. Why do I believe that? Because he has mocked Jesus Christ so clearly at every turn, and Jesus Christ came into his official position at 30. I believe the Antichrist will come into his official position. God will allow that by the power of Satan at the age of 30. I could be wrong. He could be a 60, 70-year-old. We'll have to find out. So don't just look for 30-year-olds and guys in their late 20s. <laughs> but I, the reason I believe he's in his 20s, I think we're that close to him being revealed uh, because of all that's going on in the world, and I think because of his mockery of God, it wouldn't surprise me to see him pop on the scene, some 30-year-old that takes the world by storm and rises up. And again, we're all going to be out of here by then. But he, again, it's interesting, Greg, his creative power in his dealings with mankind in the same way God's creative power in his dealings with mankind. All about relationship. It really is. It really is. Who are you going to align yourself with? Absolutely. And, and like I said, because you say, well, Mark, again, what makes you think we're so close? Listen. If in Austria, they are literally taking a mark in their hand right now. It's not the mark of the beast because it hasn't been implemented by the Antichrist. But, Greg, if people on our planet are literally already putting a mark in their hand. Willingly. And, and, and watch the news. It won't be long until yeah. we'll give the offer of the forehead. You watch. Yep. Maybe that one will be held only for the Antichrist. Who knows? But the hand of the forehead, you watch. Um, it's going to happen. And when you see that already happening like this. How much longer can we hold this off? How close must we be? Guys, we are so close. We need to be ready. Yeah. Wow. 
Interesting stuff, Pastor Mark, and we've got more interesting things to talk about as it relates to COVID-19 and all things that the enemy, how the enemy is using this virus to bring the world together as one prophetically. We'll talk about that as Signs of the Times continues right after this. WIAMLP 101.1 FM, Knoxville. It's crazy money day. Hey, I'm Chuck Bentley with my money life from Crown. A man in North Carolina had his dream come true. He won the Lucky for Life lottery drawing twice on the same day. He bought one ticket and promptly forgot about it. So he purchased another with the exact same numbers. Lo and behold, he won twice. With two winning tickets, he could claim 50000 annually for life. Or he could take the lump sum option of $390,000 per ticket. He chose the lump sum. After taxes, he plans to pay off some bills, invest in his business, and buy a house. I'm happy it worked out for him. But I can't help but think about all the others who lost. I had a relative who was always broke. She used to buy lottery tickets all the time, even giving them for birthday and Christmas gifts. Now, of course, if we won, she said we had to split the prize with her. Lotteries are promoted as an inexpensive way to get rich quick. When we participate in lotteries or other forms of gambling, we put our faith in chance or luck. In Proverbs 24, we read, By wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. This gives wonderful insight into God's economy. Buying a lottery ticket is an admission that you believe in luck rather than trusting God to provide your needs. God wants you to rely upon the characteristics of wisdom and understanding that He provides, not on what the world calls luck. Now, if you're buying lottery tickets in hopes of solving your credit card debt, you need help. I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They'll design a debt management plan so you can avoid the same problems a decade from now. For more information, call the Crown Helpline, 800-722-1976, or online at crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Man, are you waiting for the Lord? Are you expecting Him to come? Those of you that are wrestling with, with purity issues right now, those of you that are wrestling with issues of holiness and living a life that pleases God, not just for this world, I mean, how many hours do you need to work to, to know that if those hours weren't worked in the name of the Lord, they're lost? How much money do you need to spend? How much money do you need in the bank before you find out that you can't take it with you? That, that it's just going to burn. It's all going to be gone. The Lord is coming back and He's coming back soon. And he wants to see in his church a purity and a holiness that can only come from him. For more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus, visit edtaylor.org. Again, that's edtaylor.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor is a presentation of Calvary Aurora. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back everyone to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news. These are the Signs of the Times for Friday, January 14th. The year is 2022. Uh, who'd ever think that we'd be this far in, you know, life and see the things that we're seeing unreal it's just amazing um i guess maybe privileged it is be another way to think about it that we are living during a time when we're seeing the rest of the bible or as paul harvey for those of you that are old enough the rest of the story uh to to get the rest of the story and see it coming to pass see to begin to formulate uh, the the painter you know finishing that final picture uh so to speak and then there's lots of layers here i mean you know the thousand year reign and stuff like that but we're talking about you know the tipping point to to go into all these things not just living life and you live a long life and you die and it's whatever and you just have the trials of life as the bible talks about for a fallen world yeah but then you've got things that the bible says that will be happening in this fallen world that are pertinent 
to end times prophecy. And, and really what it comes down to is the relational dealing of God dealing with the nation of Israel, yeah. the unbelieving world, and the believer. Absolutely. Those three relationships, God is all encompassed in the end times prophecy. Yeah, and you know, Greg, you brought up a good point because I've always, I've taught my whole life that it would be in my lifetime. I believed it would be. You and did. I, and I, I remember you talking I, about I, it. I really believed it, and now it's coming to pass, and it's happening. I believe it's going to be in my lifetime. But the thing that's amazing to me is, even though I taught it, even though I believed it, even though I was ready for it, it's still kind of surreal that we're here. I mean, I'm watching it happen, and it's like, it's happening, and it's really, um, you know, I, I, one quick comment before we jump into the sure. articles, Greg. You know, recently we talked about the disciples being sent across the Sea of Galilee into a storm by the Lord, and he let them row all night in their exhaustion to the very end, to the darkest point, right before the light came, he came to rescue them. That's how I see the end times. I think God's going to allow us all. People are going to be, oh, no, is it really going to happen? We're right to the end, the darkest point. Are we going to die? Where's the Lord? And I believe come walking on water, or should I say riding on a horse, you're gonna, we rapture us out of here. He's going to come at the last minute at the last hour just before the break of dawn and you know what those who believe and are watching and believe he's going to do it and don't panic i believe there's a special reward but you know i think a lot of people are going to freak out thinking oh no we're really going to go through this we're not going to i think he's going to wait till the last hour but i just that's a whole nother thing i'm getting into teaching but it's like (laughs) man i i I just i'm excited about it let's let's be let's be faithful yep we know that his timing is perfect amen and so we can trust in that that's right Okay, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. And uh, really, the the biggest one is has been uh, COVID nineteen, yeah. and how the enemy, the spirit of Antichrist, has has used this to really begin so many fulfillments yeah. within the end times prophecies that we see. Yeah. Whether it comes to the mark or global control or one world currency, and just under the guise of safety. That's anyway, right. That's right. Uh, this first article from uh, uh, Breitbart.com, CDC changed their tune before Omicron. What the vaccines can't do anymore is prevent transmission. Yeah, and of which course... Which we've been talking... Anyway, we you have, can talk about No, it. we have. We have heard this, but I think this is good to cover, Greg, just to drill this, because believe it or not, there's a lot of people out there that still seem confused on this. Let me read some of this. Public health officials changed their tune on the efficacy of coronavirus vaccines months before the discovery of the Omicron variant of the virus, admitting in August that vaccines, note this, cannot prevent transmission of the virus, even though President Biden suggested otherwise as late as as December. Now, what's amazing about this, we have to realize what this means is it makes no difference whether you have the shot or don't have the shot when it comes to transmitting the virus. So if somebody says you're hurting other people by not getting the shot, this evidence now blows that out of the water. You're not hurting anybody by not getting the shot because it makes zero difference. Whether you have the shot or don't have the shot, you transmit it the same way. If the shot is effective, the only one you're hurting by not getting the shot is you because now you're going to have the consequences. But you're not doing any damage to your neighbor. You're not hurting your neighbor. And people say, well, if you love your neighbor, you'll do it. Well, we, we now know that is just not true based on the science and the facts. It goes on during an August appearance on CNN's Situation Room. The, the CDC and Prevention uh, Director Rochelle Walensky made it clear prior to the discovery of the Omicron variant that coronavirus vaccines, note this, do not prevent transmission of the virus, despite the fact they were largely sold that way to the American public originally. At an event in October, Biden stated that his administration was working to make sure that health care workers are vaccinated, but his reasoning suggested, listen to this, Greg, his reasoning suggested that the, vaccine, the vaccinations would prevent transmissibility, but they don't. Now, th- let me finish, and I'm going to come back to that. During a December 14th interview with a TV station in Dayton, Ohio, Biden called the pandemic one of the, un- uh, the, pandemic one of the unvaccinated and added the unvaccinated, not the vaccinated, are the problem. Everyone talks about freedom and not having to have the shot of the test. Well, guess what? How about patriotism? How about making sure you're vaccinated so you don't spread it to anyone else? <laughs> Yet again, if, polit- if even PolitiFact admits, and I quote, vaccination does not eliminate the risk of transmission or stop transmission, makes Biden's statements uh, uh, false. Again, I'm not saying he was intentionally being false. He may not have known at that point. The point is... You know, the yesterday, Greg, the Supreme Court shot down the mandates on the businesses, private business. You cannot now mandate 
that private businesses have to get a shot, okay, which is a great victory for freedom. But they did approve that the government... public health? Yes. Here's the irony in that. Now, I understand from their viewpoint as the Supreme Court, I can see their argument. uh, That is, if there's something that can hurt the nation and patients that the government can prevent, they should be Not able to do that. Not having enough health care workers because they're all dying from the vaccine. Well, yeah, that's a whole other subject. Okay. But I'm saying if they could do something that would really be helpful and stop people from dying, for them to be able to come in and make you do it, that I see their argument in that. However, here's what's so ironic about this. It doesn't matter whether the health care workers get the shot or not. The idea for them saying they have to keep the mandate on health care workers is so that the people in the hospital can't catch COVID from them. We now know it makes zero, zero. difference. Yeah. If, you, if you give every doctor and every nurse a shot, it makes zero difference now by their own admission at the CDC that it prevents anyone in the hospital or anyone around them from catching COVID for them, yeah. which means it's a waste of time making them all get these shots. And all it does is put them in a place of danger, Greg, where they might have the um, some of the bad side effects that come from the yeah. shot, but it does nothing for the patient. Nothing. Well, you know, we were talking about blindness in the first half hour. <sighs> what what amazes me, Pastor Mark, is that in the history of vaccines, is this the first, and I'm asking this question, I'm, I'm making the assumption that this is true. Yes. But I don't know that it's true. Yes. And that is this. Is this the first time in the history of vaccines, whether they are made the natural way by taking a part of an actual virus? Yes. Dead or alive right. in creating a vaccine or this mRNA uh, type of, you know, altered false synthetic yes. vaccine? But is this the first time in the history of vaccines in general that you've got to keep taking the vaccine because it doesn't work? Yes, on, on mass scale, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Now, there, there have been boosters. We know that for other things. But, which is just nothing more than the vaccine again. But you get one booster and you're set for life. Once you booster from other, certain different oh, things. Oh, other vaccines yes, of ones outside that of COVID-19. Have, yes, on ones that have the real, what you're real. saying. Let's, okay. take, let's yes. go back. On those that have the real dead virus, Yes, there are some that has a, a booster that will boost you and now your lifetime. Okay. But... There has never been a mass scale. There may have been on some small level I don't know about, but there's never been a mass scale mRNA type shot, Greg. Two things here. Number one, that you have to keep doing it to make it work. You can say, yeah, what about the flu virus? There's different strands. That's not an mRNA. Yeah. On it. This is a brand new technology that has never been used on mass scale with mankind. Now, get this. The, the, the FDA and CDC requirements for a new, what they call a corona vaccine. I mean, I'm sorry, a, um, a, a novel vaccine. You know, we talked about the novel yes, corona. novel corona. They yeah. also have novel vaccine, which they're calling this, which means it's one that you've never had before. It's brand new. This is a novel vaccine, okay? And to get approval, it takes 12 to 15 years, according to their guidelines, to be used in people. Yeah. So you're saying, why did we use it, like, right away? Because it has emergency use approval, which means you can, because they said it's so much out of an emergency, we can't wait 12 to 15 years. And even now, Greg, they've moved the approval up to uh, 2023 or 2024 for the approval. By the way, a lot of people think that some of these shots have already been approved. There's even a rumor that one of them was FDA approved. That's false. None of these vaccines, none of these shots, none of them have FDA approval. None of them. And they won't until 2023, 2024. It is a brand new novel shot that's never been done in people ever on mass scale. And we don't know what's going to happen. Well, speaking of which, let's continue on to our next article. This is from Times of Israel. Yeah. COVID vaccine for Israeli babies. Oh, my goodness. Toddlers. Greg. Expected by April of 2022, according to an Israeli health official. This makes my head want to blow off. Let me read it, and then we'll talk about it. This is yeah. so unnecessary and so wrong. Israel is expected to roll out vaccines for babies and toddlers by April, a senior health, senior health official said. In Israel, vaccines... Uh, um, are available now, Israel vaccines rather, are available now for everybody five and over. They're already doing it from five and over. I believe by April, the quote says, this will be expanded for any age above six months. Dr. Asher Shalman, the health minister's director of uh, international relations, said in a briefing to foreign policymakers and journalists this week, Pfizer is in the process of conducting clinical trials to lower the approval age for its vaccine from five years to six months. Pfizer reported last month that its ongoing trial of children aged six to five years said, and I quote, no safety concerns were identified. That's because we hadn't had long, they hadn't done it. And the vaccine demonstrated favorable safety profile. 
Okay, why has this upset me so much? Give me a moment here. I get ahead of myself, and I don't want to talk too fast like the kid that can't keep up with his running, falls over, you know, collapses down the road. Look, there is zero evidence that children need any of these shots. Zero evidence. There is no reason. Children are not dying. Uh, we have worldwide, and this includes even those that have comorbidities, a .02 death rate for children, and all of them so far, Greg, that have died, maybe not, I don't know if there's any that haven't. There may be one or two that didn't have a comorbidity. But worldwide, there has only been .02 deaths, and that includes those who had all these comorbidities, whether it be leukemia, cancer, whatever. Children aren't dying. This is not affecting them. There is no logic behind giving them this shot, and this is why this just drives me crazy. It just makes you, my head blows off because all we're doing is saying, look, there's no benefit for, the, for stopping the virus in you. All this is doing is giving you the possibility of all the side effects that can come from this shot, which has a whole list of possible side effects. Myocarditis, swelling of the heart, uh, possible infertility we've seen coming out of Israel. Um, all these sudden death. We've had someone, we had kids dying, a 13-year-old yesterday got the shot and died. I mean, this stuff, it's it's driving me crazy, Greg. And when I see him wanted to give it to our babies, it just, it puts me over the top. And so I don't understand what the logic, there's a blindness here that's going on. Yeah. And get this, I look, I don't want to make more than this than I should, but isn't it interesting that Pfizer is specifically the one that Israel's using? Um, the Pfizer company and the Pfizer vaccines were developed out of Germany by a guy named Charles Pfizer and his brother, who were Germans. Now, again, I don't want to go too far with this, but I would think if anybody was going to have a skeptical eye and say, wait a minute, we've got a company that was born from natives out of Germany that are strictly for our nation, and now we're seeing all these consequences and side effects. I know it's spiritual. I know that. I'm not getting off into some you know crazy thought process, whatever. I'm simply saying... I don't understand why there's not more scrutiny. Why isn't somebody stopping and saying, wait a minute, didn't we go through this already once with um, shots coming out of people from Germany? Why are we having this happen again now in our nation? Again, I got to be careful. I know. Because I got to stay, well, <laughs> I got to stay in liner, but it just drives yeah. me crazy. Here's the thing. I, you know, it, when it doesn't make sense, it's a spiritual battle. It is spiritual. And, and That's it the is. key, Greg. It this is, is spiritual. It's a, it's a spiritual battle. And, and not only that, I think we see a lot of things coming to fruition um, uh, scripturally and just from the naked eye, you know, a lot of these people that you've talked about in times past um, that are involved in the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and, and all of these people that are, are kind of behind the scenes, what some people might call deep state, whatever. Right. Um, involved in, in pushing for this uh, vaccine uh, to be used and really for everyone to take it, which is, I think, is interesting because the mark of the beast uh, you know the enemy will cause See, the wonder, small and great to take it. I think there's a, I think there's a, I think there's a mimicking there. There is a conditioning. I, a I conditioning. agree. Yes. But yet at the same time, a lot of these same people that are involved at these very very high levels that the news does not report on for the most part um, all have the desire to control the population. Yeah. And when you think about one of the things that came out from all of the shots early on was, you know, reported sterility. Yeah. Uh, whether it was temporary or permanent, I, I really can't speak to that, but I know that the things that we had read had to do with sterility. So, they didn't know at the time. Quick comment. Yeah. They didn't know. They said it was happening in male and female out of their tests in Israel. And yeah. boy, those, those articles disappeared rapidly. And at that time they were saying it's definitely happening. We don't know if it's permanent or not. So that's yeah. where they left it. So, you know, I, I can't help but think about the very words of Jesus when he said the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's not just about controlling people uh, from the spirit of Antichrist, but it's about killing people, destroying yeah. them before they have an opportunity to do anything with Jesus Christ. But, you know, and, and let me add to this before yeah. we move on. And I, and I, and I, we, we need to. Okay, yeah. but let me just add this one thing. Regardless of who where the shots are coming yes. from, I find it especially bothersome when you see Satan. We know that Satan hates the Jews. And we see that the Jews are now taking more shots than anybody in the world. They're working on their fourth shot. And we see some of the consequences from the shots. And specifically, why Israel is there such a focus? I see the enemy's hand trying to take out the Jews, Greg. I really do. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. Our next article uh, comes from uh, the DC Weekly. Yes. This is called a pandemic of the un- uh, uh, I'm sorry, pandemic of the vaccinated. Yes. Latest UK health data shows vaccinated deaths 
are higher than unvaccinated deaths in the last three months alone. Yeah, what an amazing article this is. This really blows out of the water. This is from UK Health Department. Blows out of the water the whole mindset that it's the unvaccinated that are that are the. It's a pandemic of unvaccinated. There are higher rates of the vaccinated. And here's what's interesting, Greg. We haven't gotten our reports in America yet with Omicron. We're waiting. The UK is releasing theirs, and that's their data. What'll be interesting is when America's data is released, will it be the same? My guess is yes. Let me read some of this. The latest official health data from the British government shows that fully vaccinated individuals are not experiencing the robust protection against hospitalization or death that they were promised, but rather have an alarmingly have been contracting the virus, getting hospitalized and even dying at a much higher rate and number than the unvaccinated over the past few months. As of December 5th, the vaccinated have accounted for a whopping four out of every five total COVID-19 deaths in England since August 16th, 2021, according to the UK Health Security Agency's COVID data. Over those four months, there were 3,070 COVID-19 deaths among the unvaccinated population in England, compared to 12,058 deaths among the vaccinated population of England. The chart shows that the UK Daily Exposé illustrates the UK death numbers by vaccination status showing these numbers. What's even more concerning is that the vaccinated death numbers have been increasing over time, with a slight dip occurring in November after the numbers skyrocketed in October, as can be seen in the month-over-month comparisons. Uh, And keep in mind, this public says this public health data includes COVID deaths. The astronomical difference does not even include people who may have died from other causes related to taking the shot, which could be thousands in UK alone. Now, let me uh, just finish this last part. In addition to the ballooning death rate, a technical briefing briefing on SARS COVID two variants uh, of concern report was published by the UK on December thirty first. Also confirms that as of December twenty ninth, the fully vaccinated made up three out of every four Omicron hospitalizations so what they're seeing now in the last few months in those that are ahead of us over in europe is the vaccinated are the ones that are getting the sickest that are dying the most and the biggest problems we don't yet know exactly all the reasons why but this is the data coming in and it's concerning our last article in this category pastor mark uh, takes us from england to canada uh, where WND.com is reporting that Canadian government data is showing that COVID infections and deaths are soaring after vaccination. Now, again, um, obviously a place of concern as to why this is happening. Um, you know, why would why would this be taking place? We're seeing the same kind of information. And for whatever the reason, I think I've lost this article. I can't read any of it for you. I don't know why it's not in my stack here. Uh, it's uh, uh, article number eight. Yeah, I don't, for some reason, article number eight is not on mine. I have to say that, but I, I can just say that the well, data, I'll, I'll, read some I'll, of it. Yeah, read I'll read some, some of it. Of it. Go um, ahead. Data from the Canadian province, Alberta, confirms figures from other nations contradicting the pandemic of the unvaccinated narrative, showing a spike in COVID-19 cases after vaccination. Alberta's data is particularly useful because the province reports COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths by day after the first and second vaccine doses. The most recent figures from the population of 4.4 million show infections, hospitalizations, and deaths from COVID all soar in the days and weeks after people receive their first vaccine dose. This was reported by former New York Times reporter Alec Berenson, by the way, who was banned on Twitter for sharing this statistical data. Uh, He points out that the figures support the national data from Israel and Britain, which we've already talked about, which saw COVID deaths hit all-time highs after launching mass vaccination campaigns. Yeah, again, Greg, and let me explain again, Dr. Uh, um, Geert Vandenbosch that we've talked about, he gave the reason why. He said, here's the immunology. He's an immunologist, a virologist specialist. He said, here's why this is happening. He said, it would have been okay... If you had done regional vaccines and moved around, he said this wouldn't have happened. And this guy is, by the way, this guy's pro-vax, and I see no indication he's a Christian. He never talks about God or the Lord, and he's very pro-vaccine. So this is not somebody that's anti-vax and a Christian or whatever. For those of you that are, you know, want to hear that, uh, but he's a he's from Europe. He's a, a virologist and a specialist in this. And he said, "Here's my concern." He was saying this two years ago. It's coming to pass. He said, "If we do mass vaccinations all at once." 
He said what happens is you you bring the immunity down in your body to everything else except what you just vaccinated for temporarily until it can all kind of restore. And he said if you do it in sections, you bring it down, but it's okay because it's sections. Everybody can have a chance to kind of reheal and you're fine. He said when you do mass scale worldwide like we're doing, he said if any new variant or anything comes through while your immunity is down, everybody's going to get sicker who has the vaccine and are going to have greater consequences. Well, a lot of people mocked him. He got removed from a lot of social media. And now, Greg, exactly what he's been saying for two years, we are watching it happen right now in Europe. And I'm afraid when the true numbers come in in America, we're going to see the same thing happen here. We understand it scientifically. Somebody dropped the ball in a huge way, moved forward anyway in these mass, uh, you know, this mass vaccination thing, probably based on fear. And, and there's going to be some consequence to it. Yeah. All right, Pastor Mark, let's move on to the church where Christian Post uh, com reports less than 10% of evangelicals want shorter sermons. How about that? <laughs> I love 30% it. 30% want more in-depth teaching. Yes. So does this indicate an awakening, a hunger? I, I think it does, Greg. You just nailed it. What I love about I believe there's a there's a sifting going on, a purification of the church. We've talked about it before. Uh, judgment begins at the house of God, but it can be good. For those who want God, they're going to become more serious. Yeah. And I think what this indicates is those that are waking up because of the world situation and saying, don't give me a shorter sermon. Talk to me longer. Give me answers. Give me explanations. It makes me excited as a Bible teacher. The article says fewer, as you said, than 10% of evangelical Protestants want to have shorter sermons. Uh, Gray Matter Research and Entity Concepts released a new report last Friday titled The Congregational Scoreboard, What Evangelicals Want in Church. The researchers surveyed 1,000 American political Protestants asking for their views on 14 different elements about the churches they attend for worship. According to the report, a copy of which was emailed to the Christian Post on Monday, only 7% of respondents want sermons to be shorter, while 85% believe the sermon links are acceptable as they are. Now, they didn't necessarily say longer, but I'm good with it. About 8% said they wanted sermons to be longer. So you have some that say, hey, I want even more time. But, Greg, I do think this is good news, not just in the sense of, hey, people are getting hungry for the word. I think they're looking for answers, and they're looking in the right place. And you're going to see, I think, those who want God getting more on fire for God. Yeah. Okay. Well, Let's uh, hit our last article of the day, which is actually good news. Not yes. that that wasn't good news. Yes. Uh, but this one from ChristianHeadlines.com. Former Virginia teacher launches Bible distribution ministry, bringing Bibles to school libraries in six countries. I love it how God works. What began as a prayer walk outside of Virginia school has grown into a global ministry that distributes Bibles to school libraries. Hannah Salisbury, a former elementary school teacher, founded the nonprofit organization Bibles in Schools after God put it in her heart to donate Bibles to libraries. The idea for the initiative came to her in 2018. At that time, she would regularly pray for co-workers, students, and families while walking around the school. Months later, one of Salisbury's second-grade students approached her with a Bible from the school library, expressing interest in learning more about it. And God really opened my eyes to realize, she said, we have this old Bible in our school. How come we don't have more engaging Bibles that are fun for kids? And so, uh, again, she she started this ministry. Uh, it led her to launch Bibles in Schools 2019, which has provided over 1,500 Bibles to school uh, libraries in 43 states. The organization would also reach six countries across the globe. So good for you, and um, what a great idea. And, and just to see you know, the Word of God getting in schools more, if it's there, more kids have a chance of running across it and hearing the Word of God. And by the way, if you've been scanning your radio today and you just happen to run across us talking about the Word of God, I want to just wrap today's uh, show up as we finish here with reminding you, look, if you are hearing this and you don't know Jesus Christ, and maybe what we've been talking about prophetically has drawn you in uh, or maybe you've been going to church, but you've realized I've never really made a true commitment to the Lord. Listen, more than ever, Jesus wants you to know he loves you and he died for you on a cross 2,000 years ago. He spilled his blood. And if you will simply confess your sin, believe that he's your Lord, you will not only escape all the coming things we've been talking about that are coming upon this world and the Bible says will happen in the last days. You're going to gain heaven and eternity with the Lord. And I believe we're so close. We're so near. Uh, we, you know, the Lord says, go out to the highways and byways and invite them in. So right now, uh, Greg and I are inviting you in. The Holy Spirit's inviting you in. Make that decision. And if you want to call us here at Calvary Chapel, uh, I know Greg will give you the info here. But again, just call us. We'd love to talk to you and pray you into the kingdom. You can do it on your yeah. own. But 
We'd love to see you be a part of our family. 865-609-1385. And speaking of praying, speaking to you, Christian, when you see the people that can't see the things that are happening, pray. Because that's the only way that they're going to be released from the spiritual blindness. You can show them facts and figures, but until God opens their eyes supernaturally to see what's happening in our world today is Bible prophecy coming to pass. So be praying for your unbelieving friends and family and come back next Friday at 1.30 as we discuss more Signs of the Times right here on WIAM. busy. It lets your mind know you'll not be taking the time to think about the things that bother you, have bothered you, and won't leave you alone when you're not busy. Face it, busy is what we do when we don't want to deal with today's struggle that was left over from yesterday's to-do list. It's a can you've kicked down the road for a very long time. There's a reason why God placed a premium on rest. It's not to annoy you with your problems, but allow you to strip away every reason you have for holding on to it even when all you want to do is ignore it. Don't ignore it, but don't keep it either. Being alone with your thoughts doesn't sound productive, which is why it's easier to run away than face them. These thoughts may tell you many different things, but it convinces you to take the broken pieces of troubled thoughts to the God who can replace and renew. 